birthday boy, Godfather. Gentlemen, what do you hear? What do you say? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Before we get to the change in intro, because if you notice, there was a little bit of a change there. Uh, I'd like to welcome a guest that we have on the podcast today. It is none other than Matt Landis from the Props and Hops podcast. Matt, how's it going, my man? Pisky, it's going well. Such a <laughs> thrill to be on with you, Fulldog, the Godfather. Really pumped for this conversation. Welcome. I'm, yes. Bienvenido. <laughs> Thank you very much for, for coming on. Uh, if For anyone that is unaware, Matt invited the full dog and I onto his podcast a few months ago. Uh, it was our first ever interview in front of the cameras. So first and only still. First and only, yeah. It was fire. It was yeah, fire. We had a good time. You know, we got talking about... Betting and beer and, uh, hey, anytime there's a conversation with that going on, sign us up for sure. <laughs> I got to tell you, Matt, betting and beer, <laughs> that's a pretty good combo, G. <laughs> I will take it. You know, I don't know uh, what time it is for everybody who's on this call, kind of uh, scattered a bit geographically, but I know sometimes you guys crack open a can or two during the conversation. And if we happen to get around to that today, I am game for it as well. Yes, absolutely. Crack away. I don't have nothing in front of me, unfortunately. That's very embarrassing, but we'll see. Once we get rolling here, maybe I'll make a quick run over to the fridge. Before we get into your introduction, Matt, and telling us a little bit about your podcast and everything going on in your life, we have a special birthday announcement. Uh, if you notice it in the intro again, uh, the Godfather is joining us on his day, on his big day. Uh, I got some, a little something here for you, Godfather. There you go. There you go. So what does that <laughs> translate to in English? Much. Like you're an asshole or what? What is it? How, how does that go? See, you see, you <laughs> got to start fucking around right, right off the hop. <laughs> happy birthday, birthday, G. Happy, happy birthday. birthday in Italian. You fucking knew that. <laughs> so uh, thank you very birthday. much. Thank you very much. 58. Fifth, what? No, 58. Impossible. 58. Impossible. Jack Lambert. Is that All Derek world Thomas? linebacker. What? Jack Lambert, <laughs> nine-time Pro Bowler, all 100 NFL team, all 75th anniversary all NFL team, one and only, best linebacker ever played. That includes you, Ray Thug Lewis. Let's I go. I, I watched a Netflix special last night on Mante Teo. He was no, a you didn't. Good you see right there, that's an embarrassment to even bring that name up with what we're talking about. He, at least, At least Matt brought up. Derek Thomas, a, a, I, a terror of a linebacker as well, I might add. He played with your Chargers uh, for a few years, did he not, Matt? I recall Derek Thomas on the Chiefs, so he was a Chiefs. rival of my Chargers. When it oh. was Seau and Derek Thomas, 55 against 58 in the middle of the yeah. defense, when they could really light guys up just about whenever they wanted, 
uh, kind of the end of an era that Jack Lambert might have pioneered totally uh, different times these days. But yeah, Derek yeah, Thomas oh, was definitely a force to be reckoned with. Okay. I, I meant Mante. The, oh, uh, oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah the, Teo. Yeah, the Chargers drafted him. And I think he, he had some decent moments. He picked off, uh, I think, both Brady and Manning at various times in some pretty key moments for some big games. But uh, yeah, I think you know how, how it went overall. That's been pretty well chronicled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy with the imaginary girlfriend, right? He got. He was the yep, original. Be him. Yeah, he was the original <laughs> catfisher. Man, oh man! Uh, if you guys need something to watch, it actually is a little bit like heart wrenching, gut wrenching. Like this kid, and he was a kid, twenty twenty one. He went through something fucking horrendous with the way the media like propped him up to be, you know, this big American story, and then all of a sudden they find out that the girlfriend never existed. But it was actually a dude. That was fucking with that. Yeah, it was a weird, like, Dr. Phil kind of thing. So, anyways, yeah, I watched that last night, and I wanted to make mention of it. Okay, Matt, uh, let's let's start with your intro. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from. Let us have it. Let our listeners have it. Sure. So, I'm born and raised in Southern California, as some might guess by my Chargers reference early on in this episode already. And I grew up a big sports fan, didn't really get into betting until probably quite a bit later than a lot of people would, actually made it all the way through college without placing a bet. And then early on in my career, I had a coworker who had also become a pretty good friend came into work one Monday morning with the biggest grin on his face. And it it was a good job. It was a good company. But Monday morning was pretty much nobody's favorite time of the week. So I had to ask him what was up. And he started bragging about a big parlay he hit that previous weekend in college football. (laughs) And immediately, you know, ego probably got the best of me. I figured, okay, well, I think I know more about sports than this guy. If he is making money doing this, or at least giving off the impression that he's making money doing it, then surely I can too. So I found out which offshore account he was betting into because sadly, still to this day in California, can't do it in a regulated market. Mm -hmm. But I got on board with uh, his offshore, which is one that you guys have quite a bit of experience with. That would be BetUS, my first account. Made a deposit of a whopping 50 bucks. And I think I learned right away that one of my biggest skills as a better was being objective because after I deposited, I immediately placed $10 on the USC Trojans opponent that coming Saturday. I remember it was an Arizona Wildcats USC game. I think it was 2011, actually a really good year for Lane Kiffin at USC and uh, definitely betting 20% of the bankroll on one game not advisable these days <laughs> 10 bucks at the time certainly felt like i was going out on quite a limb for myself <laughs> and arizona ended up covering and, and right off the bat you know maybe it's a bit of survivor bias but i was often running from there and oh. over the years i remember commuting earlier on in my career listening to colin cowherd when he had his radio show with espn and on fridays he would do his blazing five picks with rj bell from pregame.com And at a certain point, I think Colin had gone on a heater and I heard pregame come up enough in these intros. I just decided to check out pregame.com. And one thing really stood out to me from that site. It was a column called Point Blank by the legendary sports better David Malinsky. Mm -hmm. And I was hooked immediately because there's a lot of noise in this space, but Dave would break things down like nobody else could. He was so kind and well-rounded and responsive to anybody who would ask any questions in the comments of his columns. I mean, 
This was by far the most civilized discourse I'd ever seen on any website with comments, let alone something in the sports betting space. We all know how gambling Twitter can get these days. Mm -hmm. But I actually got to know Dave a decent bit. And over the years, as we built up a friendship, he approached me leading up to the 2017 NFL season to host a podcast together. And I still can't believe that he was the one to approach me. I probably should have been begging him to do something together. I just didn't even realize that that was a possibility at the time. But wow. as soon as Dave came to me, my, my first thought was immediately, yes, of course. Second thought was probably, you know, even in 2017, okay, I know podcasts are a thing, but how do they really work? How do you record one? How do you get it live? All the logistical questions that Pisky, you've probably figured out uh, recently as well with the show that you guys have got going. Oh, yeah. So Dave and I co-hosted a show called House of Yards over the course of the 2017 NFL season. And that was my original experience in betting and beer combined as one in podcast form. And as many people know, in the betting world, Dave unfortunately passed away pretty suddenly in 2018 in the spring. But he uh, just left such a mark on me. I was able to stay in touch with his community and in the summer of 2020, got back on board solo co-host or solo hosting what's now props and hops so it's been a crazy journey um but but yeah in the past couple of years have been able to build even more great relationships in this space and have loved every moment of it awesome man that's uh that's a great story and i remember dave malinsky he was i think i mentioned it on the props and hops episode that you brought us on to he was a regular um i guess vegas insider for one of the Sunday morning NFL radio shows that I would listen going into work at the OLG with the Godfather. Mm. So, you know, I'd have about a 20 minute drive and I'd always throw on the radio and listen to what was going on. Uh, I think it was called between the lines or something like that. So they'd go through and analyze every game and they'd always take that. Uh, this might be your thing, actually, Matt, uh, Malinsky minute. Is that your thing on your uh, podcast? Yeah, so that's one of the ways that I try to do what I can to keep Dave's legacy alive. And it extends far beyond betting. Oftentimes, there might be a betting concept that I recall him kind of coming up with the, the unique phrasing for that could illustrate something that might be more complex in a succinct way for betters of any level to digest. And sometimes I'll, I'll just bring up something about Dave that might not have anything to do with betting. He was also very well-versed when it came to nature and getting out on Mount Charleston, right on the outskirts of Las Vegas, or knowing every mom and pop restaurant in town, uh, beer and wine and spirits, classic rock. He seemed to know everything about everything. So whenever there's a good opportunity to you know, give a nod to him, I, I just try to do so because I have come across very few people who have been into space for a while who didn't in some way benefit in a pretty big way from Dave while he was with us. That's uh, that's incredible. And you mentioned Mount Charleston. My girlfriend, Britt, just did a hike there this past Saturday. So, you know, obviously us coming out to Vegas here, not really knowing anybody. She took some initiative and said, you know what, I'm going to go on a Decided hike. Decided to go meet some strangers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> there you, go. You, you go out you, uh, you go out to this site. It's called meetuplike.com or something like that. And whatever things you're into, right? Whether it be hiking or biking or tennis or whatever, you go on there, you find groups and it's always people looking to connect. And uh, yeah, they just went to a hike at that exact same one Matt just mentioned. So I don't awesome. fucking trust it. I don't fucking trust it. Ah, you're old school, right? <laughs> uh, Jack right. Lambert, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Stranger danger. Yeah. Stranger exactly. danger. 
Sinister. That's right. How? Uh, yeah, you need good stories, especially being out here in Vegas. You got to take some chances, right? Always betting. <laughs> Always betting. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's awesome, though, Matt. Uh, that's yeah. amazing that you're you're keeping his legacy alive. And again, very informative. When I used to listen to him in Toronto, driving up uh, to work every Sunday morning, that w- that was a great segment. Okay, so your props and hops website, or sorry, your props and hops podcast. Uh, what kind of things, in case you know, some of our listeners have never dug into it before. They haven't heard of it, haven't been there yet. What kind of things do you talk about on your podcast? Sure. So first off, I'd say if any of your listeners haven't checked it out yet, they don't have to go back too far to catch the interview that you referenced with uh, myself, you, and the full dog. So that might be a really good place to start. Overall, as the NFL season was approaching summer of 2020, I had the itch to get back into podcasting in some form because while I would not pass myself off as a professional better by any stretch, uh, I have been fairly successful at it over the years, and I've done so without building a model at any stage so far to date. And I think a big part of that has been the filter I can apply knowing what's noise and what's signal. And I don't want to pass it off as if my filter is bulletproof, but I think that most of the stuff in the space is generally best written off as noise and what little signal there is can be really valuable to latch on to. So I, I kind of started the show as a concept to tell people what I was listening to that I found really valuable and how I distilled that down to my own betting decisions each week. And from there, it's gone from me by myself highlighting insights that I took away from the best of the best to building some relationships and getting to bring people on the show to do interviews with the best of the best. And this NFL season, I'm happy to have two co-hosts each week, um, two of my favorite people in the space. On Wednesdays, right before we recorded this, I just wrapped recording Between the Lines, which is kind of like a spinoff show within the Props and Hops umbrella. Same podcast feed, same YouTube channel. And I record that with Fabian Summer, a.k.a. Suma, a really sharp pro-better in Germany. And we just walk through his mindset reading the market when it comes to the biggest line moves by the sharpest books that will take the biggest bets. And I know that for a show like this, there's a lot of interest in, you know, the books that take the biggest bets. And that's where a lot of the signal can be found because there's a lot of books who, let's face it, probably don't have a lot of signal behind the way they do things. Mm -hmm. So Suma's got a really sharp eye for reading the market midweek. Once the full market's open, once limits start to come up, we start to get some practice reports. Okay, here's the movement we've seen so far. What do we want to make of it moving forward? And then on Fridays, the flagship props and hop show with the hitman who really puts the props and props and hops in, in the best way that anybody possibly could. He bets props about as well as anybody that I've come across. And to get his insight on a weekly basis on Friday mornings, once the prop markets start to take shape, um, that's just been invaluable for my own personal betting process. And I hope that listeners also find a lot of value in those conversations for their own betting decisions. That is that is super cool. Uh, really good. Between the lines and props and hops. Go and check them out, everyone. It's worth your while. Trust me. All right, gentlemen, let's switch gears a little bit here and talk fantasy. Now, The Godfather, do you have anything to say about fantasy? <laughs> we both lost this week. So we're both upset about it, obviously. Uh, I'm I'm upset a lot more than you. Let's just fucking get that out of the way, okay? So, Matt, uh, I'll just explain to you, if you haven't heard, the kind of fantasy league that we're in. I've said it a few times on the podcast. I'm going to say it again. Our league has relegation. 
it's three separate leagues. There's the jungle, that's the top league. Then there's the B league, and then there's the C league. And if you finish in the bottom two of any of these leagues, you go down into the into the lower league for reconditioning for however long it takes you because you got to win the league to get back up again. So there's extra pressure in our fantasy leagues, and the Godfather started one and three. I had a little bit of a setback, three and one now. But the bigger setback, and that's what I have here in our notes, is that losing star players in fantasy football, how do you cope with something like that? So I'm speaking, obviously, of my own situation. My Williams guy over in Denver tore everything. There is the tear in your leg, apparently. And he is out of action for... (laughs) They said he'll be lucky if he gets back for week one of next season. So what do you do? Godfather, I'm teeing this one up to you because you are the guy that, you know, dog on bone, the fantasy. You put a lot of time into this, a lot of energy. Yes. What are you supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Well, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to find a gullible manager that is possibly panicking more than you are. And then you are to rub real hard on a quarterback that is not a QB1 by any stretch of the imagination, was a QB1 last week, and sell the hope to the desperate manager that he's a QB1 moving forward so you can not skip a beat and pick up a 1A, let's say, uh, from a high-powered offense. Let's just mention a team, Green Bay. That's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Did I wrap it up okay? That that was that was pretty well done. Uh, yes, it was, wasn't it? So why don't you just give the full details? I I went sniffing. I had uh, Goff on my bench from Detroit. Obviously, who cares? You can knows. pick up a Goff on the waiver wire. Who cares that you got him? Like oh, I can't take this. Matt, do you think do you think Jared Goff in Detroit continues what he's been doing, throwing all those touchdowns, throwing for all those yards? Uh, they, have, they have a terrible defense. It's funny. I had Goff as the top name on my list of overperformers. So if you could find anybody willing to take him, then unload away. There we go. How refreshing. Full dog, how shit is that Detroit defense? They are shit, but they're going to be down the entire year always and he'll be throwing. Right? So yep. I think there's I think there's something there. I think he can probably finish with a lot yeah, of junk yeah, top time. five, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> it's know, all about the garbage time in fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. So the full dog doesn't it is, play but fantasy. also I know like Blake Bortles was relevant for a year, maybe similar to this Jared Goff angle. But time and time again, I feel like if we're to try to take a bigger sample size, I mean, the best quarterbacks on the best teams tend to finish at the top in fantasy. And yes, once in a while this can happen, so I don't mean to imply that because I think Goff has overperformed to date. There's no chance that he can sustain this moving forward. Not but if he does zero. so, I think that would be much more the exception than the rule. Ah, that's that's a very good way to put it. I I, I have to agree. I I don't trust him. Uh, you know, it seems like pisk pisk pisk. I I, I, need, throw I must interrupt. Defense. Just stop. <laughs> you in the 15 years we've been doing fantasy together, you have never. And I want to underline to the listenership, never traded an actual good player. Never. It's <laughs> bench always... for bench used to be our thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so I hope 
because I really like the other manager involved in this shenanigary. I hope it works out for him. But don't start plugging away on a podcast about how this or that. I will not accept it. Well, I'm going to give you the intrinsic details. Uh, I actually sent Goff and Lazard, and it was rejected. And he wanted yeah. Jarek McKinnon instead. And I'm like, oh, this makes okay. the story even <laughs> yeah. worse. Check marks. Even sense. worse. Yeah, so I, I don't worse. know. But... Uh, no, at that point, I am going to retract my statement. At that point... If you sent that initially, but to, yeah, I mean, what do I expect you to do? Words. Yeah, I'm at a loss for words. If somebody downgrades their own trade, well, hey, you got to take it. That's all I'm going to say. I, I think just to, to wrap up this this silly segment, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you're playing in a 12 man competitive league, which obviously we are right. The jungle is, is, is nuts. People stay up till three o'clock in the morning on Wednesdays in the East coast, just to get first dibs on the waiver wire. When they come off waivers, it's, it's wild. But I I think with that big of a league and our five bench spots, if you lose a big dog, RB one on your team, you're in fucking trouble. You're, you're, you're you're staring at relegation. If you're, you know, at the one and three point right now, two and two, whatever you're in big trouble. I don't think there's any way to replace Unless you, whatever, you get lucky on a trade or something. You get lucky on a trade or something. (laughs) Okay, moving along, gentlemen. Moving Uh, along. Pool updates. This week, we took a little bit of a step back. Uh, Again, that guy on fucking Twitter that chewed us out and said, you're going to drink a bunch of fuck soup, ice cold. Fuck soup (laughs) is on its way. Fuck soup is now the buzzword of the Banfield group. Here we are, week five, fuck soup. Now, it was looking ugly. Full dog, you can relate. After the one o'clock, we were all sweating, saying, oh, my God, this is like we're staring down the barrel at one and four, potentially 0 and five, which. Yeah, it was what? One and two after the one. Yeah. Well, I I was a little worse. One and three. Granted, again, uh, I am doing mine. Pure silliness. Las Vegas signs. (laughs) Anything, Matt, (laughs) anything I see around Las Vegas, it goes into a video and that video goes (laughs) on to TikTok. And that's how I make my circa million selections for that particular entry we have. How crazy is that? You think that's nuts? I I would say that's nuts. Although as long as you're getting five picks in every week, then that's probably still not a minus EV proposition between the overlay in the contest and the fact that some people inevitably won't get all their picks in. Ah, see that, that is very Uh, sharp thinking because that's exactly, you know, how the full dog and I drew this up. The full dog saw the overlay and say, just get something in there. I don't care. You got to pick it. You got to fucking ask Pull Twitter about hat, it. Just do whatever. Yeah, do whatever. <laughs> because there's value, right? So yeah. that that is something that, again, educational for our listeners, right? We're not just goofs. We're in there and doing that because there was such a favorable overlay. And Full Dog, do you want to explain what an overlay is again? Because if I do it, I'm going to butcher it. I know I will. <laughs> well, it's, they have a guaranteed prize pool of, I think it's $6 million and... Yep. They only got enough sign-ups for 4.5 million of that 6 million. They got to put up 1.5. So it makes your entry worth like I think it's like 30% more or something. Beautiful. And that's yeah. the reason why we're taking shots there. Uh overlays are popular in poker, are they not? They happen a lot in poker, yeah. Yeah. So again, if you're looking for that plus EV and the guaranteed money is more than the entrance, 
that's when you got to attack and it's just favorable to sit there, whether it be a poker tournament or a little uh, tip for the poker players. When, if you want to find good overlays in online poker tournaments, uh, go hunting during the WSOP. Oh. When everybody's in Vegas and can't play. Really? Yeah. Oh, I nice. used to do it. I used to do that for two weeks straight every, every year. <laughs> the beginning of the WSOP. That's interesting. You play any poker, Matt? I've played some during the pandemic, got going a bit more when there was nothing better to do with some friends. Uh, we, you know, got going on Poker Stars again and had a good time with it. I'll say that Full Dog's point of zigging where everybody zags reminds me of a good tip I got this past weekend. If I can work in some talk about the hops for just a moment. Absolutely. My small town north of downtown LA did its own little Oktoberfest celebration this past weekend. And I was getting... A, I was getting a brat from somebody, and he mentioned that as great as Oktoberfest is, there's another festival in Germany, not quite as big. It's a month or two before Oktoberfest, as everybody knows it. And he says it's so much better. It's cheaper. It's less crowded. You know, the beer, the food, the scenery is just as good. So I really like that concept of, you know, okay, people have got their sights set on one main thing. Um, sometimes there's a good bit of opportunity to just go ahead and zig when everybody else is zagging. Absolutely. And we can apply that to sports betting, right? What have we said for, if you've tuned in every single week, you probably hear it pretty often, but we advise people, if you're going to start building models, if you want to start taking your betting game more seriously, don't try and go in there and attack the NFL because that is the most efficient markets in sports betting, right? Pre-game and shit like that, right? What you want to look at is shit like Korean baseball. There you go. Korean baseball. Fucking Bulgarian badminton is the one I always like to go to. (laughs) If you can build something there, they're not paying attention. Right? So look at places where sports books aren't paying attention. When all the crowd is on the NFL, again, we mentioned Spanky a lot too in this podcast because he does a lot of the same thing we do. When people are betting on the Super Bowl, he's like, I don't give a shit about the Super Bowl. I got a bet in whatever, just for recreation. But what I'm concentrating on is the 55 college basketball games that start at 1 p.m. Yeah, right? Incredible. Because that's that's where the books are going to be weak. So if you're taking this game seriously and you want to get involved and you want to start like actually seeing shit, find out where the books are weak. All right, and to that point about Spanky looking at college basketball when everybody else has their sights set on the Super Bowl, and in general looking at smaller markets that are much more beatable, I'd be curious for your guys' take getting to the level you have with Banfield Group. For a lot of bettors, if they can apply themselves to smaller, more beatable markets, eventually, while the books might not pay attention to those markets overall, they'll start paying attention to the bettors who are beating them and then limiting them, and then their options can dry up. As Spanky says, at a certain point, winning becomes trivial. It's all about longevity. So how do you balance out that, you know, that equation where finding the right markets can be a science, but finding the longevity can be much more of an art form? That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Longevity is very hard to come by. Like, I've just gone to a point where I just make sure I sign up multiple accounts, more accounts every year into the same books under different names. Yeah, max accounting is very important. Also, another thing is, I think it's much easier 
to kind of sneak in, if that makes any sense. So instead of coming in and pounding Korean baseball yeah. or pounding props or pounding quarters, whatever you have an angle on, you know, try to mix it in. Right. A lot of what we do is live. So live is very hard to read saying, oh, these guys are sharp on live. Like, OK, sure. Maybe the wins eventually add up. That's inevitable. And until this industry of ours, you know, stops being a coward versus coward game, uh, it, it's it's going to be difficult to stay alive. That's just a nature of the game. Right. The full dog says it a lot of times. It's not even really the betting, the winning and losing. It's staying alive. That is the most difficult part. So. Our, our recommendation is if you do have an angle, you got to conceal it a little bit, right? Mix in different things, play, play some fucking bullshit, maybe throw in a parlay every now and then. It'll mix up your action and it'll be less detectable than coming in and slamming on the smaller markets and the easier to beat markets. So that's, I think, would be the, uh, the game plan there. Matt, are you involved in any season-long pools? Did you get involved in any of these ones? I guess not. You have to be in Nevada to be here betting into the millions. Oh, yeah, you could have a proxy. Are you involved in any of these, Matt? I thought about it long and hard. I didn't this season. I probably will next, but I'm I'm not too regretful that I didn't at least get into Survivor this season because I do play a couple of those just with longstanding friends and like most people, uh, made a, a relatively quick exit. So yeah. <laughs> I feel like Kramer in that Seinfeld episode where they're doing the contest and he just throws his money on the table and says, I'm out. That was you know, pretty much my Survivor season in a yeah, nutshell. Sur- Survivor ends up being exactly like that. But yeah. We uh, we managed we, well. We signed up to a lot of contests, so we we were able to get through week four. Happy to say that. But one thing that we noticed, and I just want to touch on this a little, little bit. We're not going to mention names and shit like that because it looks like things have been rectified. But yeah, there's a few, I guess, pools that we're involved in, and it could be not just be pools, right? It could be whether you're betting into credit places, right? Kind of in the gray market, maybe a little bit of the black market. When you get really good at this stuff, you kind of have to use those outs because like the full dog just mentioned, you need outs because you're going to lose them with all the cowards in the industry resorts world. Uh, So (laughs) what you need to do, or sorry, what we're running into, what we ran into this past week is trusting some of these places that are hosting these monster survivor pools or you know monster sports betting websites whatever uh we ran into a little bit of trouble with people being supposed to be eliminated in survivor and finding a way back into the pool so this is something that you got to keep an eye out for you can't just trust anyone in this industry now it has been rectified what we're talking about uh, the pool organizer said it was a glitch. So, you know, we kind of have to believe are, them. Are you talking to somebody's cheating? I <laughs> mean, I don't want to use that word, but... I, I, I did when I called them out on it. I got, I got a very angry phone call from Costa Rica uh, on Tuesday morning letting me know that, yes, one of the pools that we were involved in had some participants still in it that weren't supposed to be in it. So... Again, mm. I, I think the what I'm trying to say here is just keep an eye on any place that you're playing with, right? Make sure all your plays are being graded correctly. Make sure all your plays yeah. are still in the account. Make sure that whether it be a survivor thing, make sure you're joining, 
you know, we started our Banfield approved thing, right? Make sure someone can vouch for the pools that you're joining and Good that point. they actually pay and they actually do things right. Because, again, there's a lot of shady characters in this, you know, industry of ours. So you got to be careful of that. So this is something that we, we ran into this past weekend. I wanted to make a mention of it. Again, it has been rectified. All is calm. But now, obviously, we got our eye on everything, right? With the microscope. So. I don't trust again. Again, I don't trust. Well, Full Dog, you, you said even the uh, survivor that we're in on Bet Online is very hard to see what's going on in the background, right? Yeah, I do have a problem with that one a little bit. Unacceptable. Maybe you put in your picks on Saturday and you can't see what anybody has until Tuesday. See, that, no, that's no good. That's, that's sketchy. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's sketchy. Uh... I remember last season, one of our uh, close buddies, Crypto George, uh, was involved in what, what's the Bitcoin book, Full Dog? Uh, shit, Marathon or no. Nitrogen? Nitrogen. There you go. Nitrogen. He was involved in Nitrogen's uh, survivor pool. And, you know, he kept asking me on a weekly basis because he was going right to the end. Uh, you know, do they pay? Are these guys good? I'm like, I, I don't know. I have no data on these guys. You know, we've been in yep. there a little bit. And yeah, okay, we got some bitcoin back from them in that regard but i don't know i can't tell but he did end up going the distance and he they did end up paying him so again when you're getting involved in these things go with caution and you speaking know, speaking of nitrogen i actually learned some info about them this week they changed ownership and they've actually been kind of scammy since oh yeah yeah okay so that's again uh keep an eye out keep an ear out if if People like us are saying, you know, you should probably find another place to bet. You should take our word for it because we're in there grinding at pretty much all these books. So that's good info. Who'd you hear that from? Full Dog? Just one of read our contacts? Oh, you read it, no, read it online. Beauty. Okay. Moving along. This. Speaking. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to, I wanted to add something when talking about contests. I think I'd like to give Circa a plug in that I noticed and I sent it to you. I mean, they have quarterly prizes mm-hmm. oh, yeah. on their, on, on their circa millions. And let me tell you, you get lucky for four weeks and you can get rewarded. That to me is a big plus. Well, that was also part of my whole conversation with Pisky about just signing up anything and throwing anything in with yeah, the overlay. Gotcha. You have, those are also overlaid prizes. So, you have more chances of hitting even a quarterly prize, and all you need to hit is anything. Yeah, that to me caught me off guard. 100K, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's not even small money. Yeah. Uh, Beauty. Yeah, no, incredible. And again, to to the point of just throwing anything in there, uh, this silly Circa Signs thing that I'm doing, having fun with, goofing around, it was 9-1 in in two weeks. Right, so it doesn't take much, right? It doesn't you, take much. You can go no. on a heater just out of random luck or whatever, and yeah. uh, boom, then you're in the money. And <laughs> like we said, yes, we're involved in a lot of season longs, and we're grinding away. All we got to do is take down one, and uh, we're happy campers. Very good. I just wanted to throw that in there. Well, we're gonna plug them again because Circa. Well, first of all, Circa is beautiful. If you if you haven't been there yet, and you're a sports builder. Sports better. I gotta slow down here. Uh, you gotta, you gotta get there, right? The sports book yeah. is phenomenal. You guys, Matt, Full Dog, you remember, and even the Godfather. We went up there when you were here in Vegas with me. Yep. The Legacy Club upstairs, the 60th floor. Like, are you kidding me? That place is a holy grail 
in my opinion. They still remember you when you went up there again? They do. They do. Yes. Yes. The the girls that helped us out, uh, they they said hello, and I introduced Britt to them. And, uh, yeah, they also gave us hiking recommendations to go to that Mount Charleston and a few others. So, yeah, the network is expanding out here in Vegas. So this is this is Very great good. stuff. But, yes, obviously, Britt loved it, too, up there. Like, my parents are coming down in a couple weeks. We're taking a, them there. Her mom's coming down. We're all going to Legacy Club Circa. It, it's a beautiful spot. Very nice. The, yeah, the second plug that I wanted to give to those guys is this Circa Sympathy Package. That they just put out. Oh, so, unbelievable! Yeah, Matt, have you have you catching caught? Fuck, have you caught a glimpse of that at all? Uh, no, I'm Twitter? interested to hear more about it. Okay, so the full dog was the first one actually that caught it, and basically because of all the carnage that has happened in survivor pools through the first yeah. four weeks of the NFL season, yeah, Circa decided to spin it into a positive. They had record number of signups, I believe, right? Nor yeah. it, it, they met their their target on the survivor, north of six million, and I think they said what full doc? How many? Like twenty five hundred have already gone out, or something like that? No, no, seventy five percent out. Yeah. There's only there's only fifteen hundred left out of 70. over six thousand. Wow, seventy five percent. Uncle Leo's still in there, by the way. Just uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so, so they invented this thing saying, you know what, we're going to give back. If you've been bounced in Survivor in the first four weeks of the season, come Was down to Vegas. Was it first four or first two? I heard first three. <laughs> so, fuck, we're all wrong? <laughs> okay, first three weeks. Somebody read the, read the promo before you fucking... Yeah, uh... yeah don't take my word. P-Y-O-R, I think, is the buzz uh, acronym there. Do your own research. Uh so if you, if you go check it out, if you've been eliminated in the first three weeks, I think the Godfather is right, first three weeks of NFL Survivor, Circa will kick you back a free night stay at their hotel if you come back and visit Vegas. So I think we burned three spots, four maybe even. I don't know. We did not do well in that one. And the more spots you have, the more nights they're going to kick you for free. So I think we got three nights free stay at Circa when we want to use it. I think it expires maybe in the new year or something like that a way of inviting everyone back to circus sportsbook and get involved with that stadium swim they're going to have a winterized pool and everything so there you go what do you guys think of that awesome well i think it's great i mean i saw that as well on on twitter and i was like this is the contest to join. You yeah. have quarterly prizes. Yeah. Now I, I don't know if this um, empathy package was a one-off due to the carnage that's happened in survivor pools, uh, but I mean, you team those two things up, that's the pool to join. End the story. Absolutely. I don't think the super contest doing anything like that. Are they full dog? Have you seen anything no, like believe, that? I don't believe so. They're they're super old school over there, anyways. They're uh, the average age of employees is is much higher than it is at Circa, and they they are like legit grumpy over there at times. I've been there trying to put in bets or sign up or whatever. Oof, nasty. Uh, wait, wait till you get old, fucker. <laughs> Woman, fuck. Pisky, to your point about do your own research. I was doing some research while you guys were talking through that, and I'm seeing that. Any Circa Survivor contestant who had all of their entries eliminated within the first three weeks of the season will receive a complimentary redemption package. 
So if you have, it sounds like if you maxed out on entries and you still have anything left that might not apply to you, I would yeah, probably pose a question to Derek Stevens if I were in Vegas. I went out week four. That's when my Survivor season ended. So I know I don't qualify for the empathy package at Circa, but maybe they could kick me a room at a place like the D? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we stayed at the D during Bet Bash, Matt. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. I, I love Fremont Street, uh, Full Dog as well. We're big fans of everything that goes on downtown Vegas. But... If we can give a tip. <laughs> you don't want to stay there if you have to get up in the morning. <laughs> we had we had beautiful suites. We, we decided to treat ourselves, kick it up a notch. Beautiful, beautiful rooms. But the only setback was they were right beside the stage on Fremont Street. So for, I think we were there for a total of six nights. And every single fucking night, it was like we were backstage at an ACDC concert. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I will say that indicates that you guys were responsible with your bedtimes during Bet Bash because I also stayed at the D and I remember walking out of Circa to make the trek back to the D and the stages on Fremont Street had already shut down. So oh. that's that's one workaround, but you guys definitely took the more prudent route. That happened to me on the cocktail night out at the Legacy Club. We got carried away. That's where we discovered that all of their cocktails up there are a minimum of two and a half ounces of booze. So that caught up with us real quickly, especially with, you know, everything that was going on up there. A lot of happy people, happy environment. And uh, I remember meeting Proline John, shout out to Proline John, one of our good buddies in the casino at Circa. And fucking Snorky hands me a 9% IPA. Shout out to Props and Hops. Um, <laughs> but but this, was, this was at four in the morning. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, a little nightcap. And I just, I remember drinking this beer and thinking, oh my God. And then, yeah, that's when I made my track back to the D. Everything was completely empty. I had no problems falling asleep, but I was a wreck. It was five o'clock in the morning. I think I even butt dialed Brit. So that didn't have great consequences. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, the next morning it was the bookie and better breakfast. Did you make it, Matt? I did, and I was pleasantly surprised with the access I had to some of the luminaries in that room because I think you and I weren't the only ones out a bit too late the night before, and quite a few people didn't make it. So that yeah. worked to the benefit of those who did show up to the breakfast. Yeah, I yeah. didn't make it. No, no. Banfield Group had zero representatives there. <laughs> I was in bad shape, and it carried right into the championship game at Circa, you know, all you can eat. Food, all you can drink, booze. I think I had one high noon, about seven waters, and a couple nachos, and I was done for it. I, it was, it was, yeah, something that maybe a decade ago I could sustain, but these days, oh my god! Brutal. Listen up, listen up, listenership. If you do anything with the Banfield Group, you are not making any breakfasts. I'm just putting it out there, straight up. Yeah, well, we like to keep things loose here uh, from time to time. Uh, next topic of conversation, gentlemen, I want to talk about some of these weather games that we've been diving into. Again, this is something, the UIOR, especially with this hurricane buzzing around, and fuck, like, we don't want to talk about the hurricane in a positive way because there's nothing really positive about what's no. been going on with it. But from a betting perspective... All I want Hurricane's to say about great. this stuff, yeah, you got to pay attention to it. <laughs> I made mention of it on uh, TikTok, I believe. I made mention of it uh, maybe in a couple tweets as well, uh, maybe even some stories on our Instagram pages. Pay attention to it because there is stuff going on there. 
Matt, have you have you seen anything on your end uh, in relation to weather games? This season, I mean, week one, it was surprising to see just how bad the conditions were at Soldier Field. And there was so much opportunity hitting unders between the Niners and Bears, between passing yards, attempts, completions, receiving yep. yards, receptions, field goals under, longest field goal under. Yes for a two-point conversion. Yes for a two-point conversion attempt. I'm sure Full Dog could extend that list. Um, but it was my early season reminder. And, and now as we get into the part of the season where weather is more on the table to make an impact on a lot of games across the country, just check that forecast before locking anything in, especially from yeah. a prop betting standpoint or as far as totals are concerned. Bingo, bango. Good. I've said it better myself. And like Matt just mentioned, keep an eye. Like, it's just not the total of a game too, right? Remember, we have quarters. We have halves. We have props. We have field goals. We have, There's all kinds of shit that you can touch on that you can dive into when you're betting with weather, right? Sometimes the weather in the first half is going to be better than the weather in the second half. You can use that to your advantage. So these yep. are all things that you want to keep your eye on when betting weather games because they've been Absolutely. working for us. So and, we're not hiding anything there. And, and on this weather front, <laughs> pun intended, I would just, I, I don't want people to think that, uh, you know, I, I only complain and I'm all over Pisky all the time. This is a direct full dog quote. I am warming up to this global warning, warming business. That's how much the full dog follows the weather for football games, people. I just, I had to put that out there. I tracked Ian the entire week last week. <laughs> and I can vouch for that because anytime yeah. there was a movement in the storm, I would get a text message about it with these fucking <laughs> color oh, codes. We're, we're hitting Maryland. <laughs> we're hitting Maryland, Maryland now. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I, you know, maybe a little too intrusive. I wish I could share with some of the texts I get from the full dog. It is like, I'm telling you, I learned so much about meteorology in the last seven days. <laughs> that I, I feel like I could go toe to toe with some of these weather dudes on TV that normally get things wrong, right? Let's let's face it. Let's call it spade a spade. Unless you're in Las Vegas, where the weather is incredible and consistent, uh, <laughs> up north where we're from, Toronto, Montreal, that oh. shit. Oh my god! But you no. missed monsoon season in Vegas by like a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, that's why we got the Betmobile, right? We bring on <laughs> monsoon season. Let's go. Fuck four wheel drive. Still One open. word of caution with the weather. I, I think I, I don't want to get the audience too over exuberant the second they hear that there might be wind or strong rain in a game. If you're checking sites like weather.com, that's probably not good enough to get an edge and not to put you guys on the spot to reveal anything that you don't need to reveal. But there are much more detailed ways to find out what specifically is going on within a stadium. And that's usually the type of information you want to see before you make any bets. Unless it's like Soldier Field Week 1 where you can just see how sopping wet the field is or the yeah. wind in Buffalo during that Patriots-Bills Monday Nighter last season. Those, you know, once every year or so events, obvious to everybody. But week to week, there's a lot to be gained if you can dig deeper than the weather.coms of the world. Yeah, very, very good, good point. point. Yeah, very good point, Matt. You're bang on. You're, you're 100% right. And just because there is weather, it's not guaranteed. There's no. no guarantees in this business, right? I'll tell you that. Godfather, I know you have a story about a certain <sighs> snow game or something in your youth 
Uh, do you want to share it with us? Or well, sure. I mean, you know, I, I I basically thought I had the lock of the week, and I convinced some some people with money and with a enough people to collect, uh, let's say, um, that this was the lock, and uh, it was an under. It was a snow day in Denver, and yeah, uh, the under total plummeted to I think 33 or something like that and yeah the the score was in the 50s so that didn't go very well for me and we've seen it multiple times where it looks like a snow game and then all of a sudden everyone forgets how to tackle yeah. and the score gets run up right but again look at different things props but but to be fair to me those were those were the mid 80s and like there was none of this halftime quarter props i mean you had two or three bets that you could put in and there was all pre-game stuff so it's not like you have a bad first half there's stuff coming through on this in the second half that maybe you can you can do a little recouping um you can change your your focus on you know those bets are dead once they don't come in yeah. you're toast yeah exactly and and yeah, to further your point, Godfather, when you were coming up in the industry back in your time, they didn't have all these exotic bets, right? No, none. Spread zero. total, that's it. <laughs> right? Yep. Did they even have half times? Nope. No, nah, very rarely, right? Like, no, yeah, very rarely. The internet rarely. didn't exist, so yeah. yeah good luck. In there. There's just dinosaurs everywhere. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Okay, uh, next uh, topic of conversation. I know I have uh, uh, content struggles listed. I don't know. I don't think we have to dig too deep into that. But I know, Matt, you're a big content guy. That is part of your expertise. You got any tips for us here at the Banfield Group? You know, how to remain, you know, cool, calm and collective and how to put out fire constantly? Because uh, let me tell you, when you're grinding the college football board on, let's say, a Saturday and the NFL board on a Sunday, Monday night football, you know, it's tough to put out quality content, in my opinion. So do you have any tips there? Because I know you're a big content guy. Yeah, I'll say, I mean, you guys can routinely do uh, an hour plus and it can fly by. So I respect that because I try to keep my shows to 30 minutes or less when possible and keeping them, you know, pretty focused. Um, it makes it easy enough to get through some key talking points. But the way that you guys can just bring personality to the table and have so much fun with it, I think that goes a long way over the course of a long season. I know I skew much more analytical and can take things a bit more seriously, and I'm trying to get better at letting my personality out as well. There's a reason we all got into sports and betting in the first place, and a lot of that ties back to just remembering the joy that's supposed to be inherent yeah. in all of this. So I think you guys are already covering that pretty well. I would say that one of the things that helps me out if I'm, you know, sometimes anybody trying to prep for a show might feel like they're just grasping at straws at a certain point. It's not as easy every week to bring the same level of quality to the table. Mm -hmm. I try to listen to as much as I can. And again, applying a tight filter, if I find something good, just give credit where it's due. And then I don't feel like I'm plagiarizing anybody's work. If I say, hey, I was watching the Matchbook NFL show and Suma or Rob Pizzola or Whale Capper brought up this point, or I was listening to the athletic football show and they brought up this matchup issue that I hadn't considered, that right there can open up a nice back and forth, especially between the three of you guys. So sometimes feeling like I don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. A lot of other people probably way smarter than I'll ever be when it comes to betting the NFL or following the NFL from an X's and O's standpoint. They're already putting great stuff out there. And if I can 
put that out there on my shows in a way that just attempts to advance versus repeat those conversations, that right there, I think, can can meet a pretty high bar for content throughout the course of the season. Jeez, you are just full of good advice and good yeah. fucking ideas. All of this that comes. Right? Oh my god, like, smooth operator! I'm telling you, like my anxiety has been through the roof lately. Just again, like Matt just said, grasping at straws. I feel like you know we're not relevant, and we got to get better, and got to talk about more interesting things. But man, oh man, you what you just said there just gave me such a breath of fresh air and feels like so much pressure has been taken off. So thank you, Matt. That's, that was awesome. Cool. Yeah. If it helps, I mean, a lot of other people are probably grinding just as hard doing their own stuff. And, and I think if people, you know, come across it or if it gets credited properly, then Mm -hmm. no harm done, take it and run with it. Yeah. Yeah. We did um, a tweet last week about, uh, you know, the dues or the controllables versus uncontrollables uh, in sports betting. And that was Pamela Maldonado, I believe. Uh, she's a Yahoo analyst and, you know, and, and exactly when I put out the episode, I just, you know, tagged her in it and said, you know, shout out to, to Pamela. Thank you for bringing something to, uh, our eyes that we can dig into a little bit and relate coming from the Banfield group, you know? So yeah, amazing. Thank you for those tips, Matt. That that's greatly, greatly appreciated and helps, uh, Senor Pisky uh, breathe a little easier over here. Uh, I know what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. It's a struggle sometimes, man. It, it really is. But, uh, I got to remember that again, like you said, this is supposed to be fun. It, you know, this is something that we love and, uh, you're not the first person to tell us that we do a pretty decent job of, of having fun with the process. Right. I know a plus EV always mentions that every time I sit down with him, he's like, you guys do it in a different way and I love it. So keep it going. So thank you for all the encouragement and the, the tips to, to continue pushing and pounding the rock. Uh, okay. Uh, quick updates out here in Vegas. I, I know we like to touch on it every week. First thing I want to say is I went to the South Point Casino. So shout out to our boy, Matty Ice. He's a big advocate of the South Point Casino. He said that's where the locals go and that's where all the deals are. Well, I can vouch for that because we sat down there for Thursday night football and instead Mm -hmm. of being charged $20 for a cocktail like we were in the Mirage a few nights earlier, uh, there was like $4 beers. Britain had a glass of wine for 5 bucks. Like that's what we're talking about, right? That's the way I remember Vegas. You know, come here get fucked up, gamble, you know, lose some money, but you know, we're not going to gouge you on the food and beverage. And that place I think still abides by that. So I wanted to give, yeah, I wanted to give South point uh, a shout out and I will be reinvestigating South point because apparently I think it's $2 beers on weekends. Now it's none of the good stuff. It's none of the, like the the hoppy stuff and the microbreweries. You know, you're not going to get that there, but if you want a a nice cold Bud Light, Budweiser, whatever, uh, that's the place to hit up. I will say there, you know, I, I have a reputation for being, you know, maybe a bit of a craft beer snob at times. And I've probably brought that on myself and I will enjoy the, the best microbrew that I can get my hands on in the right moment. But there's a time and place for everything. I mean, if I'm at a casino in Vegas, then sign me up for Miller lights, please. (laughs) Why not? Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, no, it was pretty cool. Really good atmosphere at South point. If you're looking to catch a game, uh, older crowd, 
but uh, it was the Dolphins and Bengals. There was a shit ton of Dolphins fans there. Uh, they all left pretty upset. I was over the moon because the full dog said, no, I'm putting some spots on fucking Cincinnati. On Survivor <laughs> Cincinnati. I can yeah. fucking believe that. It was a good yeah. spot for them. <laughs> he's, he's got balls, that full dog guy. Oh, I'm yes, he you. does. Yeah, and he can sniff them out. So, you know, that was awesome to be sitting pretty uh, going into Sunday. We got through with the Chargers, too. Going a bit off path here, but uh, and the Green Bay one. The Green Bay was a sweat. I don't know though. Like I was sitting at you think? the I was sitting at Ellis Island for that one, watching the end of the Packers one. game. Yeah. So we had a spot on one single spot on Green Bay because the because Bulldogs, you don't listen. The full dogs smelled doo doo. <laughs> no, they got through. Yeah, they got through, but um, it was actually kind of like 50-50. Like, do I want this to happen? If I, if this happens, we're sitting very pretty with a lot of other spots that we got in these pools. But, you know, you never want to lose one either, right? So uh, it ended up working out. Always another week for everyone else to lose. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another shout-out. Last night we we fucking hit up this sushi spot where the locals go east uh, of the Strip. It's called Sakana Sushi. Uh, Honestly, the best sushi I've had in my life. I know, Full Dog, you hate sushi. Godfather, you a sushi guy? Uh, I mean, it's not my first choice. I'm going to be honest. I mean, uh, I got to choose between a veal parmesan and sushi. I mean, hello. But, <laughs> I mean, I'll have it if we have to. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's honestly amazing. If you're a sushi lover listening to this, put this place on your list in uh, Vegas. What about you, Matt? Are you into sushi at all? I am, and I have not been to this spot yet. And next time I'm there, especially with my wife, she's really into it as well. Yeah. That will be at or near the top of our list. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, trust me, you cannot go wrong. Uh, they have an all-you-can-eat there. It's it's delicious. The best I've ever had. And Brit is a sushi monster. This girl could eat this stuff seven days a week. So she was very, very happy yesterday when we took I went gotta there to check it out. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to mention, Matt, now that we have you on the, the episode here, uh, some breweries. So we were driving around in Uber a couple weeks ago. One of the local guys told us we got to go check out the Arts District here in Las Vegas. And there was two places that we went. You're going to be proud of me. A place called Cerveza. Uh, Cerveza, three words, but together obviously means beer in Spanish. And Nevada Brew Works. So I believe they're two local breweries. Have you heard of these places at all? Uh, Nevada Brew Works does have incredible pizza, by the way. I've heard of Cerveza. I have not been to either yet. I know the Arts District has quite the brewery scene going, so I've been to a few there, but neither of the two that you mentioned. It's good to hear that they've got some new spots or just a good selection going. Um, Yeah, I feel like Arts District is definitely a really good pocket of Vegas for good craft beer. Mm -hmm. Also, if somebody's willing to venture out a a bit off strip, maybe out a bit further than the South Point in Henderson, there is one little industrial park area, uh, two breweries, one called Bad Beat and one called (laughs) Craft House, uh, C-R-A-F-T-H-A-U-S. And they're basically right next door to each other. So that's a good one-two punch. I also know Abel Baker's in Vegas. That's a good brewery, and they make an IPA called Atomic Duck that has really cool can art that you'll see at a lot of spots around town. Can't go wrong with that. And then there's also a spot called Beer Zombies. I think that's also um, a little bit 
on the southern part of Las Vegas. Haven't had the chance to go yet, but I've heard the best things. And while that's not a brewery, they bring in uh, some phenomenal beer. And I've heard of people going there and just having amazing drinking experiences. So I guess whether it's the Arts District or, or now, you know, quite a bit of spots around town, uh, Vegas is really bringing a lot of craft beer options to the table that can really match its really elite food scene. Amazing. Nice. Amazing. I don't know if you guys heard it, but I was jotting all those down. So I will report <laughs> back. Uh, and I know Matt already gave us some good recommendations when we were on his podcast, but uh, I am definitely going to go check these out. And yes, I saw a lot of things actually going on in Henderson. It's probably, how long from Las Vegas would you say, Matt? You probably know this area a lot better than I do. Yeah, I, I used to go, man, it's been too long, but I remember staying at the link uh, like a few times over the years, going back a few years, and getting to Henderson in a car was probably 15, 20 minutes or so. I don't know, maybe, maybe 20. So yeah. easy That's enough. enough. Um, I know that if you're going to do a lot of drinking, consider Ubering. But yeah, <laughs> just getting to Henderson, quite accessible from the middle of the strip. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I, I actually I'd hate to see that Banfield Jeep on the news. Yeah, no, we're <laughs> no, not we're not marshawning, lynching it. Okay, we're not doing that. We're yeah. uh, no, the Batmobile uh, <laughs> has to stay in immaculate condition. Yeah, I like uh, I like the thing. one name of that brewery there, um, Matt. Uh, Bad beat. Bad beat, yes, yeah, yeah that, yes, that works, well, especially in Vegas. That definitely from, gambling, the spot. from a gambler standpoint. Bad beat. Yes, yes. Uh, man, oh, man, that seems to be the buzzword we use every Saturday. Bad every beat. Saturday. Jesus Christ. Oh, but, yeah, that could be though. some just easy content right there, to be honest, <laughs> because uh, a Bad Beat segment was actually just recently on ESPN that I saw. Uh, have you guys noticed that at all? That, yes, I know. You know yeah, SVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, this is going back. We, we've been in this industry for a very long time, right? The Bulldog and I broke into it probably 2003, I think, was the year. Uh, it's always been the gray area. And that's why, again, our content is all in black and white. We are the gray area guys until the day we die. But sports betting has always been taboo. It's always been, like, weird. Like, what are these guys doing, these Banfield guys, right? Like, always gray area. And now the fact that I'm seeing it, on highlights on ESPN, bad beats, we see total numbers, we see spread numbers. It's just, it's wild. It's wild. I'm not used to it. And especially all the advertising that was going on in Toronto. Is that still happening, Godfather? Um, yeah, there's, uh, you know what? Not as much as that initial wave, but there are still some major players that every commercial, MGM is uh, probably the one that stands out the most. Mm-hmm. Them, um, Bet Rivers, yeah, cool, cool bet. Okay, there's quite there's quite a bit of uh, now FanDuel I saw ramping up a bit uh, recently, so that that's still very very much in play, and still 100% outlawed in California, right, Matt? Yeah, we've got Prop 27. I believe you're voting on it this year, eh? Prop 27 is on the ballot. Uh, it's sounding less and less likely that that's going to get through. I am I know it's far from perfect as it's written. It really caters to just the few select big names. So uh, might have to wait even longer. And if that's the case, then hopefully the, the next proposition that we get to look at would be more inviting to a little bit more of a competitive landscape that would put the betters in a better spot. Mm-hmm. I find it really bizarre because California would be California a major and a half. Oh my goodness! I'm right? really surprised. You know, when some small 
Hick State. Um, <laughs> you, you know, like, okay, I mean, on the road trip, we were in Kansas. Anybody on this podcast surprised that there's no sports betting in Kansas? No, no. they just they just legalized no. it. They just legalized it. Well, there, but there was okay, but I mean. Uh, I'm just saying, like, there are some places that you you go through there and you say, yeah, I understand this. Yeah. And then there's other places in California, to me, I doesn't think, sound yeah, like that a place that, that isn't, goes, yeah. You think that would go toe-to-toe in New York, right? Yeah. So, Matt, let me ask you, as being being a resident of, of, mm-hmm. of California, w- w- what are some of the things that the electorate is concerned about? I think it's probably confusion more than anything else. I just got my sample ballot in the mail this weekend trying to be, you know, a good, responsible citizen. All the other props that I'm not as familiar with, I'll I'll read the case for it. I'm like, oh, this makes sense. I got to vote for it. And then you read the case against it. And you're like, well, sounds like a bad idea. (laughs) And they do the best job of confusing you. And the way Prop 27 is titled, it's also got a lot to do with homelessness and other issues so that people who don't care about betting, the goal is to turn them on to the idea that a lot of the tax revenue would be brought in to fund other causes. And in theory, that sounds like a great idea. I know a lot of people who would be fine with that are just very skeptical as to whether that would actually be implemented in a substantial way. And then the campaigns against 27, I always crack up. There, there are people talking about how it would turn every cell phone into a gambling device, and they show little kids on their phone. And I'm like, I guarantee you, the kid in this footage that we're watching is not gambling right now, at least in a legal way, because there's no way that FanDuel or DraftKings or MGM or Caesars would allow that to get by their KYC. Maybe they're betting offshore. That's what you probably should be concerned about. But yeah. there's just a lot of confusion Great right point. now, and, and I think it's a matter of time. I just don't think the time is here quite yet unfortunately great great answer and i'm glad i asked but and i'll follow up with being a a public servant for over 34 years with a certain government uh, entity um basically revenues that are brought in basically help the government be a government govern they don't know how to govern so they make all these promises and then you got to pay for some of these promises and, you know, crown corporations funnel those assets to them so they can, you know, prop up a government, whatever. So, yeah, I understand the population being skeptical that the proceeds from uh, sports wagering is going to be used to all of a sudden cure homelessness. So I, I get that part, too. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of what Matt said was what was going on in Ontario for the longest of time. Yeah, well, right? for because, sure. That's why we were the last place to get it. Yeah, because... One of the last. Yeah. One, one of. One of yeah. Yeah. Fair, fair. <laughs> um, because, yeah, obviously we were big advocates of, you know, the straight bet coming into play and, and sports betting being legalized in Canada. But the Canadian government had a chance to beat the Americans at this. Right. They had it all set up. They could have pushed play. They could have been pioneers to getting involved with sports betting, just like, you know, some of the European countries. But they didn't do it. They had to sit back and sit back and say, oh, the Americans are doing it. Okay, now we'll do it. You know what I mean? It's I don't know. They they had an opportunity to really hit it out of the park. And even in our our little casinos there, Godfather, right, We, we used to set the lines for Casino Niagara and Casino Windsor. Yep. They were too independent from the lottery product in Ontario. And we were the odds makers for those two casinos. And they had such an opportunity 
to open yep. it up, offer straight bets, be pioneers. Expand. Yes. Yeah. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it. You have to depress me on my birthday. Like, I don't get it, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to put a silver lining on it if I can. I I like the outside-the-box thinking to try to say, hey, we will sway non-sports bettors with a good cause that everybody can get behind. And if that doesn't work this time around, which it's sounding like it probably won't, then maybe next time around it's worth just being honest and taking that counter-argument head-on and saying, yeah, okay, you're concerned about every phone being a gambling device. Let's look at states like Colorado and New Jersey, who are already doing this really well, and they're pretty established. You know, everybody's not dying or ruining their lives there. So maybe if they just take it head on in a more honest way, that cuts through the confusion. And if enough people can get on board with that concept, then maybe we'll finally see regulated betting in California. That's a good point. Good point. Very good point. Uh, So what do you guys do in the meantime? Is it strictly like offshore and local guys, I guess? Yep. Yep, yeah, you got it. That's much, it. Yeah. yeah, that's the way you got to do it. Okay, well, always looking for new. Nevada's local guys. not too far away. <laughs> Arizona has it now, so if people want to make a bit of a road trip, I, I'm hearing more of that too. Okay, well, there nice, you go. Nice, nice. Well, again, I just screamed it over you talking. I apologize, but anyway, we're always looking for the local guys. If you know anybody, <laughs> <laughs> duly noted. We'll uh, we'll take that one offline. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, next up, everyone's favorite part of the podcast. We asked the full dog professional sports better, professional bookmaker, some tough, hard hitting questions. So, without further ado, who let the dogs out? All right, full dog. Well, <laughs> since we have a guest on the episode this week, uh, we're gonna let the guest take the mic. And ask Do the you honors. Tough, yes, ask you a tough, hard-hitting question. I have a second question after we're done beating this to a pulp, uh, but it's more generally for the Manfield group. So, Matt, what do you got for us? All right, yeah, thank you guys. Rolling out the red carpet for me today. So Deserved. my <laughs> My question will relate to teasers. I feel like I'm hearing more talk about teasers this season than I ever have before. I know it's a really fun bet for people. And specifically, there's what's known as the Wong teaser or the advantage teaser, where you take a two-team six-point teaser, cross through the key numbers of three and seven, and that used to be offered at even money, was considered a sucker bet until the books got burned enough, minus 110 became standard. These days, minus 120 is pretty much the standard, and some books are even higher than that. But I found that even up to minus 120, if you're crossing through three and seven, in most scenarios, you're making a good bet. But Fulldog, I've got to ask you about key numbers, maybe shifting a little bit, because twice now in the last three weeks, I've been burned on teams that I teased up from two and a half to plus eight and a half. And those teams lost by nine. I'm talking about Washington at Detroit and then Denver this past weekend at Las Vegas. And I know with the longer extra point now, both Denver and Washington did miss extra points that contributed to those games landing on nine. Um, You know, are are some of these key numbers like three and seven, perhaps not as key as they once were? I I know that still long teasers tend to be advantageous at the right price. But what do you make of the current teaser landscape and, and the price point up to which you'd consider them plus EV given the league's current scoring environment? Well, first thing with the teasers, I think, like you said, 120 is about the max I would ever lay on a six-point teaser. Anything more than that, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Um, The thing with these Wong teasers of teasing through key numbers, the underlying concept to this is that the number's right. 
And when you're betting early in a season, the first two, three weeks of the NFL season, these numbers aren't as accurate as they're going to be come week 12. So these teasers are actually going to be a lot stronger plays when you get later into the season than early in the season. Interesting. Wow. Okay. What about, and I know that you're better versed in this than I am, so this is just more playing devil's advocate than anything. Early in the season, we often see lower totals as offenses are getting up to speed. And generally with teasers, the goal is to reduce variance and really make the most of the six points we're getting on top of the point spread. So low totals would seem favorable. So in that sense, I feel like that might be an argument for generally speaking, lower totals early in the season being better for teasers. But is that just not enough to overcome what you mentioned about the fact that we just don't know enough about the teams yet for the point spreads to be correct? I I think, I don't think it's enough to overcome it. Like I've always done all my betting based on the line being right. And everything I do is always stronger later in the season. It's just been generally like, it's been like that for 10 years. And Mm. like, I could see nine becoming a little more of a number than eight, let's say for the missed two point conversions and stuff like that, where you go, where you land on six and you kick a field goal to go up by nine. But I don't think it's going to change enough. Like I think nine, it lands something like two percent of the time right now. Uh, it would have it would have to get up to like four or five for it to really be in place. Spark, yeah, to spark yeah. my interest. Okay, well, I I did take the time to go out and get some stats because that's the first thing that came to my mind when you asked the question, Matt. Was you know it has to be something with the extra point being involved, right? The way they backed it up in 2015, I think it was, 2014 maybe. I got us some stats here. So extra point efficiency, once they moved the extra point back, went from 99.3% to 93.8%. 5%. Extra point attempt rate, between 2008 and 2014, it was 95% of the time they'd attempt one. Between 2015 and 2021, that dropped to 91%. 2021 alone, it was an all-time low of 88.3% that they'd go for the extra point. Wow. Right? Down from 95 of the past. But, Dog, you made an argument saying, well, then his teaser should still be good, right? Because you're crossing the six and the, the, mo- the most. The most important thing that you want to pay attention to is that your group of percentages. So say you're taking a two and a half to an eight and a half, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. your percentages of the thing landing three, four, five, six, seven, or eight doesn't vary too much from year to year. So if say it lands on those six numbers, I don't know, I'm going to throw this out here. This is completely random, but 45% of the time, if you started seeing that it only lands in these numbers, 35% of the time, that would be cause for concern. But if it's still landing in this, in that range, of your teaser, the same thing in the 45% range type thing, you should be okay. Yeah. And it should be just to chalk it up to that brewery in Henderson, bad beat. Yeah, it's a bad <laughs> beat go. for sure. That's Variance, a good, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, again, there is still we, – we don't do a lot of teasers, right? We're going to be straight I don't do any it. teasers, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, we, we, do, we stay away from that. We're all straight bets, you know, and unless – Unless I can find a correlated parlay. There you go. Back in the day, you know, there were some people that were offering parlays 
the way they shouldn't have been, and we took advantage of that. Let's move on. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we generally stay away from that, mostly straight bets. So I, I wouldn't call us professionals at diving into teasers and the efficiency of how they are. Um, the next question has come in different forms for the last four weeks. It's been asked multiple times by different people, some very close to us, other strangers. Is Vegas working for the Banfield group? Because I guess Hmm. why people are asking this is they see the struggles that we're having at a shitbag place like Resorts World. They see the win only allowing us to bet 300 bucks a pop on half times. And they want to know, are things working out here? Right. Yeah, it's all par for the course. It's like I, like we always say, it's just more outs, right? Yes. It. I'm used to it. If it was, if you weren't in Vegas, we'd be complaining about online books. If yes. you were in Toronto, we'd be complaining about Ontario books. Correct. So we're always going to get limited. We're always going to deal with low limits. We're always going to complain. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not changing things. So yes, very well explained, full dog, and that's a hundred percent the case. It is still very early out here. Like. Okay, we had a great week last week. I'm fucking very paranoid about logging into some of the accounts this week and firing away. You know, hopefully limits are the same, but that's the thing. When you do well, that's when accounts blow up, right? So it's still too early to say we have different ways to function out here. We've been dealing with this cat and mouse game since our inception 12 years ago, right? So this is nothing new for us. So we're going to complain. We're going to yell at books. We're going to say that we're just it a little more fair. vocal now. Yes. Yeah. We have a podcast. <laughs> right? yeah. We have a podcast. We have TikToks. We have Twitter. We have everything. So again, like the full dog said, if it wasn't happening here, it would be happening in Colorado or it would be happening in New Jersey or it would be happening in fucking the Dominican Republic, wherever betting is, this is part of the course. So yes, I think it's where I, hopefully it's working for you guys. Because, you know, I feel like being out here in Vegas gives a little bit more oomph to some of our content that we're trying to put out. That was, that was the whole goal us. of it. Yeah. Content, you know, we wanted to give it some more oomph. I think Vegas is doing that, personally. From the feedback we've gotten, they're like, yeah. this is cool. It's, it really captures your attention. Another thing is the contests, right? All the contests that we're involved in, we wanted to take a shot at them. So that's why I'm here doing the thing that we do here in Vegas. Now, Pisk, I wonder if if that question, which seems to be a prevalent one, um, is it coming from the hater base that wants to see us not succeed out in Vegas? Or is it coming from maybe some people are thinking about doing the same sort of thing? You know, hey, it worked for Banfield Group. Maybe I'll move my operation out there. So I, I hope it's the latter. Yeah, I, I don't think it's coming from a place of hate. Uh, obviously. Because doing... I don't like hate. You no, know that, right? no we, okay. don't, we don't need hate. We don't need hate. Obviously doing what we're doing and what I have done and what Brit has done, right? Just basically stopping everything in Toronto, packing it all up, selling it all. It's fucking crazy. Uh, Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. So I think people might have a closer eye, maybe on a personal level, saying, you know, you good out there, Pisk? Like, is this working to the way you thought it was working? And the answer to that is yes. Is it difficult? Absolutely. Right? It's not easy to drop everything in your life, pack it up, and just 
fucking head to all places Vegas, right? Um, so yes, there's difficulties, obviously. But for us at the Banfield Group, is it working? Yeah, I'd say it is. I think it is. So there it is. And yeah, it's not coming from a place of hate. I think it's more coming from a place of concern or just, you know, checking out on us. Your mom messaging you again? <laughs> she's she's the most concerned let me tell you uh, the conversations i had i've had with my mom about all this she thinks uh we're nuts but she should be used to it like think yeah, about i know you think look, after look, look at the journey time. right but yeah. i don't know we're, we're a little unconventional here at the banfield group i'm sure you can relate matt uh you know seeing what we do and how we do our things it's different but you know that doesn't mean that uh, we're being unhealthy about it whether it be mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever. We just have a little bit different way of doing things. Yeah, and if you're doing it the same as everybody else, then you might be doing something wrong because it's tough to get an edge when you're not deviating. So trying to find that right balance, and it's awesome to hear about your guys' progress along that journey. Bingo. Thank you. Thank you very much. Too kind. Uh, <laughs> the last thing, gentlemen, we hit the finish line. I, I know this one's gone a little bit longer. Matt, again, thank you very much for taking the time. Is there anything any of you want to add before uh, wrapping this bad boy up? Uh, no, I'm good. Yeah, it's a good good podcast. Uh, I guess I just want to. I'll take this chance to thank Matt for coming on. We like what you do, and uh, your content is great. And join us when it's possible. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Well, I know that, uh, Godfather, I think you had the correct note that even when I had um, Pisky and Fulldog on props and hops, uh, not not quite heavy enough on the hops at times, perhaps. And I know we worked that into this conversation, but would love to, you know, crack a beer with you guys, even if it's remotely and dive into that side of things, if and when the opportunity presents itself. But just the chance to do this now, I flash back to Bet Bash. I can't believe I didn't meet you guys over the several days that we were all pretty much in the same place. But I discovered you from your Bet Bash recap episode and immediately went back to the beginning of the catalog and have been listening weekly for a while. It's one of the most fun listens that I get in my betting content consumption diet every week. So always enjoy it. Keep up the good work. And it's been really fun to be part of the show in my own small way here. Oh, well, Matt, we appreciate Fantastic. it. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot, man. Honestly, uh, like, you know, we said earlier in the, the episode, you know, sometimes it's a struggle to put a lot of this together. So we really appreciate you taking the time and coming on here and giving us all a jolt of energy and some great insights. And for sure, lots of that. And honestly, uh, you're really good at what you do. So continue doing it. And, uh, Thank you. yeah. And, you know, we're always here to lend a helping hand. The Banfield Group is here to support and, and uh, work together with everyone in the industry. So uh, never hesitate to reach out. And uh, at some point in the near future, uh, hopefully we can get together for that brewski. One last Thanks. thing, gentlemen. This is kind of a little close to the heart. I wanted to mention it. We need everyone to uh, keep one of our best guys in mind right now. One of our uh, really close dudes, Uncle Leo, uh, is going through some things. And I wanted to make mention that... We are all behind him. We all support him. Uncle Leo, you're a very strong individual. You got this. And uh, like we've mentioned privately, if there's absolutely anything we can do to help, by all means, reach out. Uh, we're always uh, here and we got your back, buddy. So, um, yeah, just wanted to make that mention. But thank you all for tuning in to this episode. Thanks again, Matt, for coming on. And we'll catch you all again next week.
Tchau.